Welcome back, DGI Multiverse. I am DGI Mark. Uh, I have DGI Charlie on remote, um, which is becoming our new norm, but good thing he's got a good mic. Um, we will be kicking off uh, Dad's Got Issues podcast issue number 32 night uh, for our hot off the press issue. Uh, a lot to talk about, a whole bunch of comics in the last two weeks. Um, good comics, series starting, series ending, things like that. Um, but we also have a special co-host this uh issue uh miss ambrosia from tiktok uh i know i've talked a lot lately and i'm sure a lot of you guys think that tiktok is the bane of existence in our community but there is a lot of good collectors and a lot of good influencers on tiktok um for the nerd community and for especially for comic books um i found uh miss ambrosia on tiktok through one of her comic book reviews that she does every week um she's been involved in collecting for about 15 years now um she is a school teacher in colorado um who uses her comics in her classroom and her all her videos have some sort of review or um really i mean she she did a whole video series on the comic book code authority and the history behind that and i think there's probably a lot of collectors out there that don't even realize that that existed at one point or exists in some capacity still to this day um but she's done a whole lot of great uh, great stuff and great content on there is it comics underscore cupcakes or cupcakes underscore comics um, it is uh, a great question. Uh, cupcakes <laughs> underscore underscore and uh, what is it? Actually, I don't even know. Uh, comics underscore and cupcakes. Okay, so I will I will double confirm that. Thanks. Sorry. Yeah, that's something I don't even have memorized. Hello. Yes. Um, so we'll grab that, that info for you at the end there. Um, but like I said, she's she's on TikTok. I'm on TikTok. That's how we've, uh, you know, I kind of came across her. And I think she is a great voice uh, for, I guess, to, to, uh, she's a great beacon for the female voice in the comic book community, at least the one that I'm, I'm listening to these days. You uh, are too kind. Thank uh, you so much. Well, we try to be every once in a blue moon. Um, so... <laughs> We will be um, covering like our normal stuff like we always do, and she's going to be joining in the conversations. We kind of gave her a heads up. I know she is more of a Marvel fan where we kind of fly the DC flag a little harder over on our side. But uh, we, we did slip in a Marvel book this week that we're going to give a little breakdown of, um, and we can talk a little bit about the series um, and the greater impact. But let's dive into some news. Um, it was announced 11 hours ago, actually, um, that James um, Tynan and Gilliam March will be collaborating on a Joker ongoing series um, featuring a punchline backup story, the main enemy being Bane, um, which I guess ties in to the end of the Joker war, which we saw Joker basically teasing Bane as he was um, locked up in Arkham. Uh whether I think Joker needs a, an ongoing series or not, uh, that's to be seen. Uh, I thought Punchline's one-shot was really w- well done, but I didn't think it needed an ongoing series afterwards. Uh, I think sprinkling her in amongst the, amongst the Batman family titles would probably be the best case for her because I think we saw what happened with Harley Quinn. When you started giving too much of her, people started to dislike the character. Well, that's anything, though, right? You know, like too much of a good thing, right? Uh, or uh, yeah, maybe what is it? Yeah, absence makes the heart grow fonder. I don't know. Whatever adage that you know, 
somebody told you once upon a time, you know, go ahead and insert it here. But like, uh, my thing is, I enjoyed Joker War for what it was. You know, you and I talked it. At, you know, we we covered it in depth. Yeah. Right? And uh, it was a good story. Um, just a bad ending. Just a, yeah, not a not a super great ending. It was look for what it was. All right, fine. We'll we'll accept it for what it was. But uh, to then give us a Joker, sto- like a, a Joker comic. Yeah. I don't know. I don't. I, I don't know how I feel about it. Like, I I can tell you like. Having James attached to it helps. It makes it makes it one of those things where I was like, I'll read it, I'll pick it up, and I'll read it. But uh, I have, uh, I don't have high expectations. No, and and I feel like DC's done this before, where they try to highlight a singular villain in a book, and it lasts for like ten issues because people just don't buy it. You know, the the whole idea of a villain needs a good guy or a good guy needs a villain. It'd be like a Batman book where he's just sitting around like in the Batcave training for 10 issues. Like nobody wants to see that. You know, they want to see Batman, you know, leaping from building to building, you know, or they want to see Spider-Man, you know, fighting Venom or fighting some, you know what I mean? Nobody wants to see. And it's not like Joker's an anti-hero, right? You yeah. know, like, like a Venom or even a... Well, the question, the question, sirs, is it says that Bane's going to be the enemy in this arc, but does that mean is Bane the hero because he's trying to defeat the Joker? I guess look at it from, from, from like a, like a television show standpoint, right? Like Gotham, right? Like, you know, you're watching Gotham and you know, you find yourself at times rooting for the bad guy, either Riddler or Penguin or whatever. And they're, they're fighting other bad guys. So I guess like, it has worked, but it was also a TV show, not a comic. Yeah. And how long can you keep something like that running? And um, so also announced uh, this week, right off the heels of Future State for DC, um, which I will also, we'll roll right into that after this because I have a, 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 a bone to pick about Future State. Um, DC announced uh, Batman Urban Legends, uh, which is going to be a 64-page anthology monthly series. So you get one one a month, 64 pages. Uh, first six issues of that book will be written by Chip um, Zdarsky. Um, right now, he's absolutely crushing it with Daredevil, apparently. I've had a ton of recommendations to pick up the Daredevil arc. It's it, a good one. I was going to say, I know you're reading that. Um, another... It's funny, another female friend of, of mine, she works in a local comic book store, uh, Kelsey. She actually, when I asked for Marvel titles, because I know she reads Marvel, um, she recommended Daredevil. And I picked up a couple of the issues, but my shop didn't have all of them like in order. So that kind of is what's keeping me from reading it. I'm probably going to pick it up when it comes in trade. But apparently he's doing a really good job. And the last issue, Daredevil was arrested, correct, and put into prison? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. so apparently that's a book that a lot of speculators are getting hot on. Cause somebody else took up the mantle of daredevil, correct? Yes. Okay. And I don't want to give too much away. It's just so good. And I've never really been huge into daredevil, but I love what Chip is doing. I like a lot of his stuff. Though. Yeah. He also wrote uh, sex criminals, I guess is an independent book. Um, and then artist Eddie Bowers, uh, who is working currently on future state, and uh, Future State Robin Internal, and he's worked on Detective Comics in the past. Um, the first six issues will be a story arc focused on Jason Todd Red Hood. Um, uh, Red Hood investigates a lethal drug sweeping through Gotham City, and the results ends up 
upends his life and puts Batman in the crosshairs. Um, great cover art that I've seen so far. It looks like it's going to be it's going to be a good book. Um, at least from I mean they always tell you the good things at the beginning. They they don't ever tell you it's going to suck at the end. Um, but uh, Grifter Grifter is in it. Um, he will actually be written by long term long time. Um, Hawkeye freefall writer uh, Matthew Ro- uh, Rosenberg. Um, he's also helming the Future State Grifters um, title, so he's going to go right in from Future State right into the ongoing series for Grifter, which will pick back up in Batman 101, which is pretty cool. Um, uh, and then Harley Quinn will also be getting her own standalone series once again, in case anybody wanted that in their in their lives. Um, Batman or oh, once again, has she had a lot? Yes. I, like I said, I'm newer to the DC realm. She I've gets, always been Marvel, she, but I've been trying to expand. She, it seems, it seems like every year, every year they give her a single run, and it never does. Right. It never does right. overly well. Right, like don't hype it. You know, you'll you'll get plenty of uh of pomp and circumstance for it, and yeah, then everybody's like, yeah, cool. The Outsiders anyway. chill every night. Blah 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 blah. <laughs> Uh, Future State Outsiders. So they've announced a bunch of stuff as a part of like the Future State um, Fallout and so on and so forth. But um, you'll get a bunch of different variant um, covers for that number one for Batman Urban Legends. Like DC always does to make maximum profit off their books. Um, So that's kind of the wrap up for DC comic news um, as far as this week goes. I know we have, um, yeah, I think that's about it. Not, not much in way of the, yeah, not much in the way of Marvel. I know, um, the symbiote and the King of Black series is rolling solid through for them. Um, lots of tie-ins on that. Yes. It's very similar to the, the death metal series going on currently for, for DC, um, which yeah, I think both I think both brands when one throws out a major event, the other one feels the, the need to do so as well. Um, but yeah, so well, let's jump in. Um, Charlie, you want you want us? Let's knock out uh, Endless Winter first because uh, I think it's a pretty short review. The first um, installment in that um, oh. mini series was kind of kind of lackluster. Um, so Justice uh, Endless Winter, um, which DC has been promoting for the last like four or five months inside their other titles, um, finally debuted two weeks ago. Um, so we've actually gotten two issues um, for this story in the last two weeks. You got Justice League um, Endless Winter number one, and then in the Flash series, Flash whatever, um, part two for Endless Winter was also released. Um, it seems like Endless Winter is setting up a a bigger problem for the DC universe other than the Frost King. Um, obviously, issue number one, Frost King. Who, who, what's the company that's drilling? You know what? I don't even know. Whatever. So, so some bad guy company that's not Lex Luthor, because it's always, it's always somebody that's not Lex Luthor, apparently. So they're drilling up um, basically where um, the Fortress of Solitude used to be. Um Obviously, uh, during the events of um, the battle with um, 
Perpetua and Lex, you know, mutant Lex Luthor. The Fortress of Solitude was destroyed. Um, and, but the crystals still remain. The Kryptonian technology still is like embedded in the ground. They are drilling. This company is drilling, tr- basically trying to, I guess, res- resurrect or take out the crystals or whatever. And Stag Industries is the, the company. So they, um, they end up digging too deep. Um, they crack into ice. It hasn't been broken in millennia. And I guess the Kryptonian technology falls into the hole and awakens uh, the Ice King is what they are called, or the Frost King. Um, and so in the 10th century, uh, Hippa, Hippola, Black Adam, the Viking Prince, and Swamp Thing were able to defeat defeat the frost king and capture him in the ice you know deep in earth in the arctic so that kind of they give you kind of that like brief backstory on how he's defeated initially um which only leaves black adam alive to be able to tell how he was defeated and we all know that black adam in the current universe is not a good guy he is a bad guy um through and through so no, bad it depends on your perspective, but sure. <laughs> the American perspective is he's a bad guy because he's in the Middle East and he's locked himself off to the world. Um, so it's uh, so like I said, they um, they basically in Justice League they just highlight Barry Allen and the Flash basically running through this frozen tundra. The Frost Kings uh, basically vanquishes the Justice League in the in the initial battle, um, sends them back to their respective you know, playgrounds, Gotham, Metropolis, Themyscira, whatever. But he is unleashed basically winter on earth in the middle of summer. Um, and it's like below like 50 degrees below zero, but basically Barry's just running around the earth, basically trying to locate the frost King. Um, and I don't even remember. I don't think, I don't think they really, I think it was, might've been Barry's idea to go to black Adam and speak with him. But um, he ends up finding himself um, at Black Adam's, you know, in Black Adam's country. Um, and he basically ends up collapsing because he, he he's so tired from running and, and you know, keeping himself warm. Um, Black Adam brings him into his, um, his palace. He wakens him and then Black Adam actually sh- charges him up with, you know, with lightning. Um, and Barry basically, you know, kind of makes a soft alliance in, in, in respect with black Adam, but black Adam's also arranging his own, you know, I would say injustice league, so to speak, because you got silver Banshee, you had Catman, basically everybody that the justice league caught in the initial pages of the, of the issue. They're, you know, they're there with black Adam. I'm not a big fan of this artist. He did a lot of work on, on, um, he did a lot of work on uh, sh- shit. What do you do it on? A lot of work on Flash, the Flash series. I'm not a huge fan of his art. I wasn't a huge fan of the cover art either. For for either, I like the the I like Porter. What was that? Sorry. I'm talking about Howard Porter. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So when we, you know, when we, when I look at a book, obviously we've talked in the past. There's some books that are like there's a level of expectation of good art and then you don't, it doesn't deliver. This is, I think it's starting to be one of those, those, those issues for me, but obviously this book is not just like, it's not like death metal where it's its own series. It's, it's mixed in with the other, other series books. So, but 
I mean, it, it's definitely a stopgap. That's it's that's the feeling that it has because obviously this is this is our this is our our event of the winter between now and future state because we know future state's the end all be all right now. Um, and when is that supposed to come out? Uh, uh, January. January. So, uh, let, let do you have anything else on that Justice League book, Charlie? Because I want to get into my future state rant real quick. Yeah. Oh. Do you have anything? There's a rant. Charlie. Yep. Do you have anything else for Justice League? No, no. Okay. Uh, pick it up if you want. Uh, number one still out. Number two is through Flash. Number three will be um, out tomorrow as well. And I believe like number four. They're they're doing all kinds of crazy shit with this book. Uh, Justice League number yeah fifty eight um, as a, as a tie in to it. And Teen Titans Endless Winter event number one. Winter special number one is also out tomorrow. Um, but let's jump into my future state um, rant. So they have been building Future State up for the last probably six months. Uh, really, really started building it up at DC Fandom, the digital convention event that they did back in September and October. Um, and there was a lot of excitement, a lot of buzz around it. John Ridley, who is most famed for um, his writing and directing of the Alien franchise, he is helming the next or the new Batman um, um, title and he teased that there was about a 46% chance that his Batman was going to be an African-American um, male portraying the character and not Bruce Wayne. Um, and then obviously later they came out with the, the full extended lineup of DC future state, which gave us the next Batman and then the dark detective, which is Bruce Wayne being a more underground ground style Batman, but obviously still manning the cow and kind of doing his normal thing, but basically back to his grassroots instead of having all his bells and whistles and gadgets. Um, but they had not revealed who the character was going to be the new bat, who the new Batman was going to be. Um, so there was a ton of speculation, whether it was going to be Duke Williams, whether it was going to be Luke Fox. And then, um, Obviously, we got at, um, in one of the Batman titles, um, either Detective or Batman. I can't remember. We, took, we talked about this a little bit um, previous. But we had um, Tim Fox, which is Luke Fox's brother, who was once a henchman um, for one of the many, many supervillains in the Batman universe. Um, and ended up going to jail for a little bit and getting out and kind of turning his life straight. He ended up coming back. Um, in previous incarnations in like the new 52, Tim Fox was kind of more like skinnier, kind of very similar build to Luke. But in this most current, I mean, it looks like he was doing prison pushups all the whole time he was in, you know, Blackgate because he's absolutely massive in the comic now. Um, but like I said, so DC has teased this. They've done a really good job of basically saying, you know, it's going to be an African-American under the cow, but we're not going to tell you who it is. They did that for like three or four months. And then the, the director, the, the main editor of DC came out and said, I will give you this little hint. You will have seen the character in a Batman family title between now, which was in November till the start of future state. Um, I had no problem with that because it, what that did was it made me want to go out and buy Batgirl. It made me want to go out and buy Red Hood and Nightwing and Batman and Detective and the hundreds of different Batman books that are out because it could be anybody in any of the titles. You know what I mean? But Jesus, Lord have mercy, DC does it again because they did the same shit with the wedding last year. With, this is why Tom King's run is abysmal to most people because they built up issue number 50 of Batman 
to be, oh, Bruce and Selena are finally going to get married. There's going to be a conclusion to this arc and whether they get married or not, like it's going to happen in this book. And then they published in the New York Times a week before it came out that the wedding wasn't going to actually happen. And they basically ruined, they ruined the whole suspense of it all. And the, why I know, do they do that? Because they're idiots. They can't help themselves. They can't. Because they think, I don't know if it's DC or Warner Brothers or whoever's calling the shots. Yeah. They, they, they keep, every time that they build momentum, they're like, you know what we should do? We should ruin it. Let's, let's mess it up. <laughs> So that way our stock drops and then maybe we'll be more affordable for Disney. Yeah. But we said, but we said, so when that happened, I I, I spoke with my, my comic shop where I pick my books up every week and they were devastated because they ordered, I mean, they ordered, this was like death of Superman big. And they did the same thing with death of Superman. Death of Superman occurred and then they did the preview solicitation for like a month away, two months away. And they, 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 they revealed that Superman comes back from the dead. So what was the point? Like you built up like this is the first time in comic book lore and comic book history that Superman was going to die. And then you ruined, I mean, nobody's dead in comics. We understand that except Alfred. Alfred's been dead now for like seven months. I'm starting to get concerned. But (laughs) my thing is we know nobody dies and stays dead in comics. So when we knew Superman was going to come back, but they ruined it in the solicitation by showing like, okay, he's back in the next five or six issues. So the same thing is with this, like, you know, they did it with the, they did it with the wedding and you had comic shops for death, death of Superman. There's still comic shops today that still have sealed death of Superman books from the release date because they ordered so many of them because speculation was so high that these books were going to be worth a ton of money. And they're just not, I mean, most nineties comics aren't, but that was probably should have been a book that was worth a ton of money, but it just isn't anymore because there's so many of them in the publication. Same thing happened with Batman number 50 this past year. Tom King had a great run. Even the run up to Batman number 50 was phenomenal. It was, it was great. And people were loving what he was doing. He was one of the most popular people at every convention that I went to across the country. But DC did that. And then he was getting death threats. He, He had to hire private security. Because people felt like they were they were bamboozled, and nobody should be sending you know writers or artists or people to do comic books death threats. But some people don't have better things to do with their lives. But you know, so they did that then, and then they did it now because they released not only did they, they didn't even do it through a major publication, they just did it on their freaking Facebook. They just released they literally released a full frontal image of the new Batman without his cowl on, which makes no freaking sense because Bruce wouldn't be never be caught without his cowl on. You know, it's a cover shot. It's actually a really nice cover that I'll end up getting, but, and then they announced that it's Tim Fox. So they could have picked anybody in the DC universe that people give a shit about. Duke Williams, the signal, Luke Fox, Batwing. They picked the, they picked the brother off brand brother of Luke Fox and son of Lucius Fox to be Batman. And we are supposed to believe that, and, and this goes to show you, you don't have to be a superhero or be a, you know, this is devaluing the Batman character. And this is coming from a guy who's sitting in, in a room that's entirely full of Batman stuff. The thing that makes Batman special is that nobody can be Batman. And they're literally, they're literally saying, because now that Lucius Fox has all of Bruce's fortune, that Batman is, that, 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 that Batman can basically be replaced just by putting somebody else in the suit to do the job. Um, well, I mean, we see that in the Marvel universe as well. I mean, we have, you know, Thor is the only one who's, you know, has the hammer. But then we see uh, in Thor 
a couple of years ago where um but what is his girlfriend's name uh the one his that- girlfriend now becomes Jane Foster. <laughs> Jane yes, Foster. thank you. <laughs> when Jane Foster becomes Thor, and then I mean, even in the movies, then Captain America is able to lift the hammer. Yeah. So it's stuff like that that kind of. But like, see, Whoa. I don't think I, I don't think I mind the idea that like Cap's worthy. I don't mind that idea. Like that makes sense to me. You know, other people can be worthy, but when you're telling me you're gonna just drop some dude who. I mean, other than being a henchman that got put in prison, I can tell you this. If Bruce Wayne was a henchman for the Joker, he wouldn't go to prison because he's skilled enough to get away and not have to worry about that life. I mean, he would never be a henchman. He'd probably, you know, he'd probably be the Joker. But at the end of the day, my point is it, it devalue. It's going to, you know, as much as it's going to add value to, you know, the minority community in comics, because I think putting a minority in the Batman cow is a much higher profile than anything they've ever done in DC. I mean, as, as much as we love John Stewart and Charlie's a huge Green Lantern guy, I don't think that Green Lantern mantle, because it's been helmed by so many other people, I don't think it's as prestigious as, you know, Batman. It's not as big of a deal. No. There's, there's so many of them that you're just like, okay, yep, so this is the degree. Yeah, now. exactly. But my thing is, is like I've said, you know, I'm a big believer in con- continuity uh, of storylines. So, like, we're going to get into that after this because we're going we're gonna to dive into Spider-Man uh, number five, the J.J. Abrams series, and that kind of rolls off of this idea. But I like the idea that Damian Wayne or Tim Drake – or even Jason Todd or Dick Grayson would have become Batman. They are the most likely predecessors to be the, you know, the dark Knight's new Batman. Um, or we just see natural progression and we end up getting Terry McGinnis as Batman beyond. I'm okay with that. That's what I was thinking. And, and like, like you said, not anybody can be Batman, but you know, Terry did a pretty good job yes. doing but everything t- that, but Terry needed a but Terry needed a biotech suit to do that. He needed a suit that had capabilities that Batman never had. It, like that suit's doing the things for Terry that Bruce could have just done on his own, basically. And that's my problem. Like I said, I think it devalues the character. But my bigger problem is I don't give a shit about that. I will wa- I will read every single Tim Fox Batman book there is and give it God's the honest review on it. And, and it has nothing to do with who or what color skin or whatever, because that's what's good. A lot of people are going to get hung up on. And I think that's a problem, you know, and we'll get into that conversation later on with the whole gatekeeping thing with females in comics. But it doesn't matter to me what the race is or who the person is or whatever. It doesn't. It doesn't matter to me. As long as they play the character or portray the character or they are the character the way its character is supposed to be and they stick to its core values, I'm okay with that. But my problem is going to be is they put this guy in this suit and he gets his ass kicked for three months. I'm going to be pissed because, like I said, that devalues the character and who they, you know, and, and what he's been been portrayed as for 80 plus years, you know, it'd be like, it'd be like putting somebody in, in the Superman suit and he doesn't have inner vulnerability and he's basically just an average human being. Superman is the most uninteresting character in the DC universe because he cannot be stopped. Like we know that he, there, there's nothing that, that, that trumps him. Like even people that work with magic or kryptonite end up losing to him in the end. He's the literal John Cena of the DC universe. He doesn't, he doesn't, <laughs> falter um but yeah so that's that's my rant on that i don't want to i don't want to continue down that path because i'll just be pissed off the rest of the show um 
so we will jump into Spider-Man um, number five. Um, J.J. Abrams finally finished up his series after a year-long, um, what seems like, you know... It's re- been forever. Yes. I mean, we got a lot of delays with COVID for this. I, I think issue number three came out in March, and we didn't get another one till like, July or, or June or July. But uh, I picked it up because... When I look for Marvel series, because I am so deep in the DC and I get like 13, 14 DC comics a week. Um, when I look for Marvel series, I look for series that are starting fresh. Even if it's a mini series or a tie-in series, I try to jump into the, those because it's easier for me to pick up from number one than it is to pick up from number five or six or whatever. Um, so when I saw that J.J. Abrams was writing this book um, and I saw that it was a mini series, I was like, oh, I'll give this one a shot. And I'm glad that I did. I enjoyed it. Um, And like I said in the Future State rant, um, Marvel did what any natural Marvel fan would probably want them to do. And they had Peter Parker and Mary Jane's kid take on the Spider-Man mantle, Um, which we saw Ben Parker um, is Mary Jane and um, Peter's son um, in this incarnation. And after Mary Jane passes away, Um, and Peter blames himself. He doesn't want Ben following in his footsteps. So Peter basically abandons him, um, and leaves him with, which I have so many issues with. Yes. And they kind of address that in issue number five. They do kind of address that at the very beginning of issue number five, where Mayor or where Aunt May is like, you know what this did to you, you know, not having your, your parents and not having your uncle Ben, like, you know what it did to you as a kid and the trauma that you went through, like, what, how, how are you doing this to him? And obviously Peter not thinking straight with the death of Mary Jane and being upset and angry over that and blaming himself. He thought that his kid would be basically be better off without him around and putting him, him in danger. Um, but, um, throughout the series, uh, we are introduced to old man, Tony Stark. Uh, we find out that the Avengers had been defeated, um, basically and turned into mindless robot zombies by, um, cadaverous, who is the main villain. Um, and his, basically his army of children, which are half corpse, half robots. Um, basically their plan is to they've kidnapped Peter Parker because they believe that his abilities or his DNA has the ability to bring back somebody from this half robot, half corpse type, I guess, lifestyle that, cause this basically he's bringing people, his whole army is people that are either sick, dying or recently dead that he could exhume their bodies, put them into these robots and they fight for him and, you know, kill for him and, you know, collect for him basically, um, throughout the city. Cause cadavers is trying to, um, change his wife who I get, is like a giant mutant spider. Right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So she, you know, she's, a, she basically, he basically did an experiment on her kind of very similar, like a Mr. Freeze with Nora where he didn't want her to die. So he basically pumped her with all this like crazy DNA thinking like, Oh, she'll, you know, rejuvenate and she'll become better. And she turned into this literal giant fucking spider, um, that looks just absolutely horrendous. But, um, so basically Ben takes up the mantle of Spider-Man, puts on the suit, um, he's working with a couple of his friends from school, and then, you know, I guess Tony Stark catches whiff that Spider-Man's back, and then 
Ben and him end up crossing paths and they have to beat the robot Avengers, which was a pretty cool. I think that was in issues two and three. That was pretty cool to see that. And um, obviously they end up winning. They stumble upon the fact that Peter has been not been necessarily gone, but he's been kidnapped for all these years and essentially body parts have been taken off of him. He's missing his right arm. Um, it's cut down to the elbow and basically he's a shell of who he was. Um, but they basically, I mean, the, okay. The visual that they gave us like at the end was still like, like darker for Marvel. Cause I feel yes. like Marvel's just like super, uh, family friendly, but like you have him just like frail and dying in his underwear, like missing limbs. Yes. And, um, so you also get appearances from Ironheart, um, and, and, and Iron Man, um, Riri, uh, Riri Williams's um, incarnation of Iron Man is also in there, which was pretty cool. That's my first. I didn't read the Iron Heart series. Um, I know it was a big deal when it came out, and obviously she's getting her own TV show, which we'll talk about more on Fridays um, around the multiverse issue. Um, but Iron Heart uh, comes and basically gets into the fray and is helping um, helping Ben. <laughs> Um, his friend Faye and Tony Stark basically try to get Peter free. Um, and that's kind of what the first four issues are. They don't really get Peter free until issue number five. And they end up on the Brooklyn Bridge and there's this massive fight. And basically Peter and Car- um, Cadaverous are battling at Cardavis's hideout. And Cardavis sicks all his children on, Pete, on Ben. And basically Ben ends up catching an assist from one of these, you know, one of these children, these half robot, half corpse, um, you know, beings or whatever. And it assists Ben getting out of the facility. Um, they end up getting to the bridge and they don't really play like who this, and I'll, I'll give Marvel credit or at least JJ Abrams credit for this. I didn't see that. I didn't see the the twist or the, 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 the reveal coming because I wasn't even thinking about it. I didn't even think. No, me either. So uh, it's funny because I'm I'm looking at a, a review right now, and it you know the panel that they do the review. Um, basically, she's got the, this 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 half human half robot thing has the cure, the thing that will make Peter Parker whole again. Um, she's like, you know, this is the cure for you, blah blah. blah. Um, and it says you're you know Peter basically says you're not just some. Um, some soldier, a child of cadaverous. Why, why are you, why are you helping my son? Who are you? And then the, the, basically the kid, you know, the, the child says, or the, the robot thing says, I think, you know, tiger. So that's where they reveal that this, this cadaver they essentially obviously know who th- it is. Yeah. Once they say that key phrase. Yeah. And they, you know, they reveal that it's, it's Mary Jane. Um, but that's, However, okay. no, go, go ahead. Oh, it was kind of awkward because uh, there is uh, a picture of him, uh, of Ben Parker, uh, running next to this robot um, figure who's going to help him out. And they're like holding hands. Yes. And that was like something that kind of, I don't know. I was like, who would just randomly hold hands with so, someone that they have no idea who they are? So they, so he, they make a point, I think, at some point in the midst of them trying to escape. 
Ben makes a either makes a statement or he, or or says something like I don't know why but I feel like I should trust you kind of thing. And like he had this inkling like you know a, a spidey sense that like this wasn't one he needed this isn't somebody he needed to be worried about. Um but obviously there's a massive battle at the end. Um is it an explosion? Something basically knocks um Mary Jane on top of Peter and Peter actually ends up putting the syringe in her and saving her instead. Um, and basically she turns back into Mary Jane right there and right then and there on the bridge and she's back alive. But because the serum has Peter Parker's DNA in it, that becomes, she becomes basically another Spider-Man because it has, it has that, that, you know, that DNA sequence in it that allows her to have powers and abilities now. And basically, originally that was going to be used for um, cadaverous wife. Yes, and which would allow her to regenerate and do the things that Spider-Man basically is able to do. Um, but then, in the midst of this whole battle, um, is it cada- yeah, cadaverous comes because his wife turns on him. He comes basically to take her out, and I think he's got like a, a built-in self-destruct sequence and he activates it on the bridge and you get this final moment between the Parker family where Peter's obviously dying, but he wasn't about, you know, he's close to dying, but he wasn't where he needed to be. And then you have Mary Jane and and Ben talking to him. And then you see the spider sense tingle on the top of their heads. They give their little triangles like they do in the traditional Spider-Man books. And then he pushes Mary Jane and Ben off the bridge and the bit, you know, basically sacrificing himself, Um, which I was like, damn, I'm like, I guess if I picked up a Spider-Man series, the one where they kill him is probably a good one to start on. Um, (laughs) But like I said, though, that's natural progression for me. That's natural progression of of continuity in the sense that we all know that at some point, Ben or that uh, Mary Jane and Peter Parker end up having kids. They've, 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 they've teased that in so many different stories. They've also teased it like they don't stay together. You know, they're very much the Ross and Rachel, the comic book community. But if in your grand scheme of things, you're thinking like happy endings, like obviously they have a kid, they, you know, they live a decent life, even if one of them dies or doesn't, you know, but Ben being the next Spider-Man makes the most sense. In my opinion. And then obviously we know J.J. Abrams is a massive movie director and writer. Um, so I don't expect him to continue like an ongoing series. But I'm kind of disappointed that, I mean, if you read the four or the, the epilogue or the foreword, whatever it's called at the end, if you read like their, their notes, you know, J.J. Abrams said, he's like, I don't want to say this is goodbye, but more of a see you later kind of thing. And I'm like well, man, I don't want to wait another 10 years for you to do a follow-up to this. Like, and especially because I don't think this is as well-received as it probably should have been because of the delays. But at the same time... No, 100%. And there was just so many um, gaps in here that people were like, mm, is this a Peter Parker move? Yeah. Um, and so I think a lot of people were expecting so much more out of J.J. Abrams coming from the Spider-Man comic book. And I think he really tried to do something different, which he did. Yeah. Because uh, in another universe, we have um, uh, Mary Jane and Peter Parker do have a kiddo, uh, but her name is Anna Mae Parker. Yeah. Um, and so I think they were like, let's have a boy. Let's do Ben Parker. But like they make Ben Parker be like a super like angsty, emotional, trouble kiddo. 
Um, and then you have like Peter, just like that's Charlie's biggest. He pet. deserves a better life. I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you stay with that's, your Aunt May while I go figure my stuff out. But that's like not a Peter Parker move to do. Teenage angst in comic book is Charlie's biggest pet peeve. He can't stand, can't stand Dan, Damian Wayne because of that. Yeah, just like, well, you know why? Because I live it. Because yeah. I have a teenage kid, and it's like. God. But yeah, so, Damn. and then also, at, also at the end, you also got the the cool little. This is why this is why it bothers me because I know we're not going to get like a, a direct spinoff sequel or follow up to this like anytime soon. Is that Tony Stark gifts Mary Jane and Ben new suits, and I'm like, well, fuck that. The funeral. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, damn it. Now I want to see, I want to see this like mom, son team up like book. Like, I feel like this would be a cool book. And, but at the same time, like, who knows? <laughs> but I, I, I feel enjoy- like that duo would have been so much better than the comic book that we got with this Spider-Man. Sure, um, yeah. It, it, even if you, even if he just explored like in, like, maybe one issue to explain how we got here. And then the four issues that followed would have been the Mary Jane, Ben Parker adventures kind of thing. Um, but, right. and I think like, Oh, sorry, go ahead. but I enjoyed it. I mean, I've, like I said, I haven't picked up start to finish a comic, uh, Spider-Man book other than the through the centuries book that they did. What? Two years ago where you got like the yeah. 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, thousands, two, 10, oh, thousands. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that was a cool, yeah. that was just a cool premise and idea. So I, I read that all the way through to the end too. Um, but this was a good book. I enjoyed it. I enjoy, I think if, if you're somebody who hadn't picked it up, like individually, like picking it up as a trade is probably a, a, a definite way to go. I would agree with that. Um, this, and I hate to say, but this might be my, one of my least favorite Spider-Man books, just because in my opinion, I just felt like it was all over. Um, and maybe if I read them cohesively, like together, um, it would have been different, but I've read them like, like spread out. Yeah. Um, that I just, oh. Yeah. I just wasn't a fan. Um, and even like with the writing, uh, like there was a part where like cadaver, who was like this cadaverist, who's like this big giant, scary monster. Like his, one of his catchphrases or one of the things he said was like, I'm going to eat your big head. Yeah. It was very, it was very campy. That's I agree. Cute. It was very, very campy. All right. So we'll, uh, I would love to see a spinoff because I think that will bring in a whole nother crew. If they do like the single mom thing yes. with Peter Parker trying or Ben Parker trying to raise, like being a single mom, trying to raise an angsty teenager who also has superpowers while trying to figure out her superpowers. I would buy that. Yeah. And it also leads to more team ups with iron heart and things like that. That's a character. I think that Disney's obviously going all in on, um, with Marvel. Um, so we will go from one universe to the next. Uh, images crossover. We're gonna cross over into another. Oh man, I got my dad joke in. Yes. yes. So we'll cross over into crossover number two. Um, I don't know about everybody else in the room, but I am really enjoying this book. Like just start to finish, the Ellie and Otto trying to help Ava to, you know, the, the dome issues, the secret government organization, like this is hitting all the necessary like tropes for me. 
And then, like, I know we're only on issue two, but I may, like, I really think this may be one of my favorite series so far of the year. It's yeah. so good. Yeah. We, so we were, we've, we've been reading, um, Department of Truth and we've been reading Undiscovered Country and we've been reading, um, Something's Killing the Children. It's not better than Something's Killing the Children to me. Not yet. It'll get there, I think, because it, it's hitting that superhero itch that I, I always love to have scratched. But something is killing the children is by far the best independent comic that's going right now. Well, something. Oh, I just picked that one up. Yes. Yeah. So something killing that's killing the children, like like uh, Marcus mentioned, it's been that's something that has TV show written on it, right? Yes. Like you can make a, you can make a TV show. I don't know how you pull off a crossover in a live action. I don't know like, how you I don't know how you get the rights to do that type of show with just right. the just the one panel, two two or three panels that you got in issue number 2 where you see Batman, Spider-Man, Spawn, like McFarlane has to be involved in this because that's the only way I think Disney allows you to print a Spider-Man glove and a spawn hand, and then a Batman cow all in the same book. There's no way in my mind that you can, like, somebody bigger than Image is involved in allowing this book to happen in the way that it's happening. Um, well, but, and Donny Cates has his pool of people. Yes. He works with both Marvel and DC. Yeah. Um, so we'll get in. So issue number two, uh, obviously issue number one, uh, we were introduced to the Dome, the cataclysmic event. Um, that is affecting normal life for humans in the fourth world. Um, and obviously these comic book characters are living within this dome structure. Um, and basically it's every superhero from every realm and every existence in comic books have all popped up in this part of Denver. Um, and they're in basically destroying that area. Um, which it's kind of interesting. It's like, well, why is everybody just fighting everybody? Why didn't everybody like, you know, we, we've seen every major event in every other comic book company. And it's like when some, like when they get transported to like a foreign land, it's not like they just start punching everybody. They kind of be like, okay, well, why are we here? How'd this happen? How do we get back to where we want to go? Um, well, you know, it's one of those things too, though. You, you think about it, man, like the enemy of my enemy is my friend. So, you know, let's just say Sabretooth shows up. He's in downtown Denver and he starts fighting, um, I don't know, Shazam. And people are like, oh, crap, what is going on? Well, the X-Men know who Sabretooth is. And Sabretooth goes, hey, these these people are bad. They look a little different than us. We don't know who they are. Let's keep fighting. And, uh, you know. I think maybe there's some brand loyalties there that, that may, I, you know, I'm just speculating. Yeah. But so they, they obviously dive in into the, into the, how the event is affecting everyday normal lives of the people in the, in, in, in the actual reality. Um, and they, they say that, you know, Brian, Brian Vaughn of Saga and Scott Snyder of obviously Undiscovered Country, but more of fame of DC um, have been killed. Or are missing because angry no, mobs. Scott Snyder, uh, Robert Kirkman, and and, and Brian Vaughn, Chip, and Chip, uh, Chip Zardowski. 
So they, they, yeah, they're all missing because basically angry mobs are upset over the event and they went after comic book writers for basically creating these, these characters and these heroes. Um, many of our heroes are then, uh, shown to be locked up in a black site prison and, um, people from the event, like they, although all, all these heroes came into reality, so did the citizens of like Metropolis or, Spider-Man New York or, you know, Gotham, like the, those just average Joes also came into existence in, in our reality. So those people are also being gathered up and put into, you know, these black site prisons where they're being tested and, you know, being held without due process. And it's very interesting in the sense that like, so border towns before it got, um, canceled because their, their writer is a, a perv. Um, they were hitting on some pretty good tropes of immigration. And I think this is falling into that same category. Like it's hitting on it without putting it in your face, but obviously people are upset over the aliens that essentially are invading their, their reality, so to speak. Um, but obviously the, the second, the, the main story arc is really Ellie and Otto trying to help Ava, she needs she wants to get back in the dome i guess to find her parents or find her family and her people but so does ellie ellie's f- folks and people her parents she hasn't seen since the event occurred because when the heroes appeared they were living in downtown denver where the bulb, where the dome is essentially um so she's she wants to get into the dome as well because she wants to try and find her parents to see if they're still alive Um, but there's a lot of side stuff going on. You know what I mean? They have Ryan, who is the son of the pastor, who's super anti, uh, comic book and comic, you know, in, in what are they calling the, the, the comic book people in the book? They're calling them something. Um, I I can't remember what it is. Um, but basically, um, Ryan obviously gets arrested because he, you know, Molotov cocktailed the last comic book store in existence. And then, you know, he gets transported to one of these black sites and then he's introduced to this program. But they said, I guess, how did they, they said, uh, within the space of this issue, uh, missing comic book writers is a second story arc, blah, 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 blah. Given the verbally writing down the story, how do you get from your eye lovers? Um, but basically they, they tease that Ryan and Ellie are to have a romance. And right. I, I guess in some way, shape or form that she spits on him, she spits on him and they're like, and you know, uh, it's right after these two fall in love. Yes. And, and, and at some point, I, I guess their romance is supposed to be the key to ending this, this whole thing. Um, but dude, visually this book is so well done. In like just the little Easter eggs, it, like you could literally go back and read it twice. I like the premier form, premium format of the covers being a little bit harder, um, and you know having a little bit more weight to them than most image books do. Um, man, it's good. I also, I also like, um, like they use a little like old school dots yes. when it comes to like the comic book characters yeah. and um for one i think it helps the story for the readers but i also just like this still like it definitely gives you the 
Like they're not part of this reality. Yeah, that pop art art deco look is is very distinguishing compared to the other characters in the book. And then obviously at the end we get the we get the teaser that Ava is a super, not a civilian. Um, right. And we don't know if Ava is a good super or a bad super because obviously she f- fucking completely torches that <laughs> that that rat. That poor rat. Um, I hate rats, but but yeah. The, so I, I've I've really enjoyed this book to this point. Like tr- like I I agree with I agree with Ambrosia in saying that I think this is a this is a very strong book of the year candidate, but for twenty twenty one because something is killing the children is 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 just so it's so good. And even department I'm so excited to read that. Part. And even Department of Truth is very so I would say this is Department of Truth is slightly below crossover because I think crossover has mainstream appeal. I think more people that read DC and Marvel would be interested in this book than they would be in Department of Truth. But Department of yeah. Truth is just James. We we have become extremely big. James, this has become like James Tynan's you know fan podcast at times because <laughs> we've enjoyed everything. We've enjoyed every, Truth, you, like you and I are into the the weird right like yes. the the. Uh, the uh the not off the beaten path type stories right yeah. like we we love here you know we love our heroes we love you know good versus evil and all that stuff but like this is kind of like plays right up our alley of like yeah this is different this is cool yeah um so yeah and he also writes something is killing the children he's doing batman he's doing uh future state stuff he's all over it, man he's he's killing the game um he's everything that scott snyder should have been for dc in my opinion but i'm i'm just not a scott snyder guy um yeah so definitely if you're not reading crossover i definitely recommend picking it up i think everybody on here recommends picking it up um and i think it's one of those books that as it, it continues it's just going to get better um and there's always going to no, be and there's always going to be fallout there's always going to be fallout from the story in my opinion that, like even if they solve the problem in Denver, there's still going to be heroes and people that were able to get out that they don't even know exist in the other parts of the country. Oh, for sure. Well, and I think it's a good like starter comic for someone yeah. who is interested in Marvel and DC, but they haven't really touched those independent comics yeah. because it, there's just so many. Of it's them. a lot. Yeah. Uh-huh. But I feel like this is a good starting point because it has both. A little bit of Marvel DC in there. Um, while, yeah, I don't know. I think this is just overall really fun story so far. Yeah. Well, and, and that's the thing with with any with anything, right? It doesn't matter if it's DC. It doesn't matter if it's Marvel. It doesn't matter, like the brand behind it. Will it be a good story? I mean, my my wife and I, we we just had like a probably an hour and a half conversation. Uh, I don't know. Last night uh, about. You know, like, because we, we we were talking about you know the podcast and everything, and you know what we were gonna kind of go over tonight, and we were I was just running some stuff by her, and we were talking about you know like um, some of the stories that we're going over, and she's like, well, that's the most important thing. It has to be a good story. Yeah. If it, it like you you can have whatever character you want in there, but if you're rehashing the same story that's already been told you don't you don't gain interest right and and so like for a casual reader they're not going to pick it up no um but you know if if the story is good then people will read it and it, that's what crossover is doing crossover is telling a story that hasn't been told 
and, and it's been really good. And especially with independent books. It's easier to sell a Batman or a Spider-Man book just based off a character and, like, recognition. But when you're an independent book, especially starting with an issue number one, you've got to come out of the fence swinging. And not only swinging, but swinging for the, like, sw- literally swinging for the fence. Because if you don't, and it doesn't hit the mark within the first issue or two, people aren't going to pick it up, and people aren't going to be interested in it. Um, no, and Crossover definitely hit on that, because in complete honesty, I totally bawled reading, like, the last page of the first issue, because it, it hits on, like, why we enjoy superheroes, and why, yeah. you know, we look for hope like within a comic books, you know, it's the good versus bad. And, you know, we look into them looking for hope and I just totally lost it because like, for me, that was completely true. Yeah. I had a shitty life and I looked into comic books looking for that hope. And, you know, Donny Cates just like totally nailed it for the first issue. <sighs> so it's definitely a pickup. Um, we were going to do the other history of the DC universe and Batman black and white. Um, Pick up Batman Black and White, five stories, one issue. Um, it's worth the uh, eight bucks price of admission. Um, the stories were good. The art's great. Um, they have a lot of new artists with experienced writers. James is involved. Danny Kubert's involved. A bunch of good people are, are, are included in the Batman Black and White series. It's um, just kicking off. Issues number one came out last week. I got all five covers for that. Um, the other history of the DC Universe is a thing of book that is kind of flown under the radar a little bit. Uh, I know in the comic book community, a lot of people were excited about it. It was John Ridley. Um, he, it's a black label, DC uh, black label book. I don't think it's a ongoing series, but I could be wrong. I think it might've just been a one shot, but basically um, it tells the history of black lightning and how he came to fruition, but it tells it from his point of view. So like we've gotten like the justice league stories of like how they were introduced to black lightning, how Batman was introduced to him, how he came to be a part of the, the outsiders and all the other stuff. But John Ridley gave black lightning, the voice in this book, um, which was pretty cool. In my opinion, I haven't been a big black lightning guy because there isn't many black lightning, like modern series that has happened. Um, but it was cool to see like what, you know, what Jefferson went through, like, is, is being, like, an Olympic athlete, going back to, like, Suicide Slum Metropolis and being a high school teacher and, you know, just doing the things to, to help his community and realizing there wasn't, it wasn't enough. What he was doing, like, being a good educator wasn't saving the people around him. And that's what led him into being a, being, basically being a vigilante. And he was like, I realize if I make too much noise... I'm going to get to catch the ire of the local authorities. And because he is an African-American male, that's, he doesn't know how they're going to react to that. And then obviously they touch on like green, you know, John Stewart being introduced as green, you know, the first black green lantern. And then obviously being the first black member of the justice league. And basically they, they, they do a whole little like portion in the book of they came to Jefferson Pierce before they went to John Stewart. And they, he basically turned them down and said, no, you go let John be your, your, you know, your poster child. And like, it's, it's well-written. And like I said, you know, we're very, 
apolitical on here. We don't fall into the politics trope, and we don't really talk about a lot of the current events because we think this should be your release from all that nonsense. But in me being like, you know, I get a lot of questions all the time with me being involved in law enforcement. Like, how do you feel about some of these these conversations? I'm like, well, I think some of these conversations absolutely need to be had. Some some get over publicized or some get over pushed. But the way that John Ridley handled this book, basing it in the era in each era that he was hitting on in this book with Black Lightning and Jefferson Pierce, they were all accurate. The way he was feeling and the way he was putting like putting his words on the paper, you could tell that there was experience behind that. You could tell that there was some, there was investment in the, in the source material in which he was using. That was, that was what's important to me. When some things get a little too far out, a little too political in comics, it can be off-putting at times, but it, this, this was beautifully done. And um, I definitely think it's one of those books that right now it's probably not super hot, like in, as far as speculator and secondary market goes. But I would say give it a year or two, and I, I guarantee you it will be. Um, I just think I think it's I think it's one of those books that like if you have the opportunity to go pick it up, pick its A and B cover up. I think it has the ability to be something worth that you know four or five dollar investment that the, the black label books have become. Um, but uh, we'll move on from that. Um, quick rundown, real quick, uh, before we get into our discussion of what's new this week. Um, like I said, uh, it's a big DC. Uh, Marvel week. Uh, only independent book that we're picking up is Power Rangers number two. Um, but from DC, you're getting Batman, Nightwing, Justice League, Dark Knights, Death Metal number six, Aquaman 66, Superman 28, Warshack number three, um, Tales from the Dark Multiverse, Crisis of Infinite Earths number one, um, Green Lantern season two number 10, and then Teen Titans Endless uh, Winter special number one. So like we were discussing Endless Winter at the beginning, um, Justice League 58, Aquaman 66, and Teen Titans Winter Special Number 1 all tie into that. Um, as far as Marvel goes, we have um, uh, The Immortal Hulk, uh, Number 41, X-Force 15, Fantastic Four 27, New Mutants 14, Captain America 26, uh, Savage Avengers, Avengers 16, Deadpool Number 9, uh, Wolverine Black, White, and Blood, number two. Uh, Iron Man, number four. Symbiote Spider-Man, King and Black, number two. Uh, King and Black, The Immortal Hulk, number one. Uh, Taskmaster, number two. Black Cat, number one. And The Magnificent Miss Marvel, 17. Of, of those books, I'm probably going to try and grab... I'm definitely going to pick up Iron Man, number four, because I've been reading that. Um, Wolverine, Black, White, and Blood, number two, and Symbiote, Spider-Man, King and Black, number two. I'll probably try to grab that with the number one if my store has it, because um, I didn't grab it the first time. No, it's a good one. Um, what are you? What are your thoughts about Iron Man? I like it. Anyone? I like it a lot. The art's doing a lot for me, I think. Um, but I, I, like I said, I, I did not read Iron Man previous to that. So when I picked this up, I picked it up because it was Iron Man number one, and it looked kind of retro. And I was like, oh, it looks kind of cool. So when I picked it up, so I'm, I'm reading with a blank slate. So I don't know what came previous to this, but I did. Ooh, I, I just did a whole series about I saw, that yes. last week. So and and that's so I, like it, it gives you a timeline of exactly what has happened leading up to where we are right now in Iron. Yeah, and I like I said, I've enjoyed it a lot. I've really enjoyed it. And obviously, I, is it? It's Alex Ross doing the covers, I believe, and they're just absolutely. I love his artwork. Yeah, it's absolutely stunning. Um, yeah, yeah so, if they don't like Alex Ross art, like then uh, I 
they're either Stevie Wonder or uh, they at the, Ray Charles, right? Yeah, there's only two people that they can be. Uh, um, um, but Adam Charles is is dude. And I know we I know we wanted to cover Wolverine, Black, White, and Blue, or Blood. Sorry, at, at some point, I think we touched on it very briefly the last issue. Um, but I haven't gotten around to number one. Charlie said that you read through it, and it basically is just another. It's basically just like Batman, Black and White. Where it's just a bunch of separate stories, right? Right. So we'll get to that eventually at some point in a future issue, probably, and, and give our thoughts and feelings on it. Um, but I don't right. find it too like memorable. Like I thought it was fine, but nothing like new and exciting. Yeah, I think we were more interested because of who was writing it, um, or who was help. You know, who was a part of it, of like the series in general. You got Andy Kuber and a bunch of other people that you know, and who. Uh, it's Jorge Fornes is is doing art for it too, correct? Correct. Yeah, that that was another one. We're big, we're big um, Fornes guys. Um, so um, we will jump into our discussion topic to wrap up this hot off the press issue, and part of the big part of the reason why Miss Ambrosia is joining us here today. Um, so why don't you tell us a little bit about what got you into collecting? How you you know you found yourself in a comic book shop for the first time and. Um, how that's progressed over, I guess, over the last, you know, couple of years. Yeah. Um, well, my first comic book I found was at my local library and it just spun from me not wanting to be at home and just having a lot going on and needed to find an escape. And I really connected to Peter Parker um, just having, a, I mean, that's what Stanley made him for. He was like the first real relatable character. And I definitely related to him being in high school and not knowing what to do, but needing to do everything. And so Mm -hmm. I automatically just fell in love with his character and kind of picked up from there and started to read comics online because I mean, I was 15 at the time and I had no idea that comic book stores existed. And I think that's, I mean, even now, because I have comic books in my classroom and my students are like, where did you get these from? Yeah. The comic book store? What are those? What's a comic book store? (laughs) So do you... Yeah, it's so bizarre. Do you frequent, like, conventions and things as they come come to the Colorado area? They do, yeah. So Denver has been a pretty good hot spot. We had uh, the Denver... Um, Comic-Con for a while, but then, you know, copyright and everything. So now it's the Denver Pulp Culture Con, um, which is weird. Um, But Denver has been, uh, our comic book stores have been growing so much. Yeah, so cool to see. You have Mile High Comics, too, in in Colorado and in Denver. Yeah, Um, it is massive. Yes. And they're obviously... I have not. I I just obviously they're one of the world, they're one of the country's largest vendors. Um, their owner is one of the most outspoken owners in comics, in general. When it comes to any major, you know, comic book community issue, um, he's actually the owner that took issue with San Diego Comic Con and the direction that the show was headed because he was kind of pissed off because he's been he's been going to San Diego since its incarnation. Um, and he's had the same size booth every year, and every year his price goes up and up and up. I think he said the last year that he went, because he didn't go last year. That was the first time in its its existence that Mile High Comics didn't have their marquee booth. They were charging him like twenty eight grand to set up for the weekend. Um, where, oh my god! Where they were allowing Marvel and DC and some of these bigger media companies 
to come in and set up basically for free because they knew that those people, you know, and he raised the point, like we, we started comic book conventions for comic book people. Like that's what a comic con is. He's like, you know, when San Diego started, it was nothing but comic book vendors. And now it's a media con because that's what it is. And, you know, I've never been to San Diego. I would love, absolutely love to go. But I know if I go there, I'm not finding keys. I'm going there and I'm like, I'm getting to see like, you know, celebrities and, you know, what what the next toys are going to be or statues are going to be or whatever. Because that's what it is. Because right. I've, I've been to New York and New York's the same exact way. They have a vendor's yeah, market. Yeah, there's a vendor's market, but it's it's not much. We're very fortunate down here to have Baltimore Comic Con. It's run by a local comic book store. Um, oh, I believe it's awesome. the I believe it's the th- the the fourth or fifth largest convention in the country as far as just comics. They do no, they do very minimum media. They have like five guests, and their marquee guest is always a comic book person. They've had uh, Frank Miller has been the, the the keynote a couple times. Jim Lee was there. Last year, because that's when I got to, to meet him. Um, but like I said, I think, you know, as far as, you know, comic books goes, my Mahal Comics is, is a very, very, very important shop in, in, in the way. If you, if you follow the owner, if you listen to what he says, he kind of has a, a finger on the pulse of the industry as a whole. And it's crazy because it's across the country. You have shops in, in our, our neck of the woods agreeing with his sediments in, in his neck of the woods. And then as far as the northwest and, you know, you know southeast of the country feeling the same exact way. Um, no, and I love that. And it broke my heart because he had uh, his com- the comic book store uh, broke into last year. And yes. He had thousands of like dollars of key issues that were signed just stolen and that just broke my heart because it just some of the things that he has is just so incredible Mm -hmm. and you'll never get back um so like you were saying so you found your you found yourself falling into comics uh, you know at a you know high school age when was your first like when did you start kind of getting into the community as far as like going to your local shops and Things like that. Probably when I was in college, um, I found this really awesome uh, community. Uh, I went to a college that was not in Denver and like in a very small cow town. <laughs> um, and there is a shop called The Nerd Store. And I was like, oh, that's my calling. Um, and I just started to go in there weekly and I made really good friends with the owners um, and just had really cool conversations um, with Spider-Man and just the Marvel universe and comics in general. And I think they really helped me um, find my way into what I like to read uh, yeah. because, you know, I asked the question on TikTok of like why there aren't as many comic book readers anymore. Yep, and that's um, where we, and we it connected. Could, <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think like, for one, I think I'm also in the wrong realm of society. I, being a female, like none of my friends are interested in the things that I am in. Um, and the people who are, I just don't really want to associate with because they are those gatekeepers and like mm-hmm. to challenge you and test you. But I found a really cool community who just really wanted to teach me about comics and really gave me that gateway. And so from there, I think that was something that I just fell in love with. And um, I continued on collecting Spider-Man and reading series that really interest me. And as I got older, I just, I continued with that. And then becoming a teacher, uh, I teach middle school uh, seventh and eighth graders, no, um, so, so and I teach students the with, ripe the ripe age of of teenage angst. 
And I love it so much. Like, they're awkward. I'm awkward. Like, we're a good combination. Um, But I specifically work with students with learning disabilities. Okay. And they hate reading. Like, when we introduce them to a book or a unit, then they just despise it. And, you know, it's something that they struggle with. So, of course, they're going to hate it. But that's when I brought in, like, comic books. And they were so intrigued because 90% of my um, class are boys, um, seventh and eighth grade boys. And they were just like mind blown that comics existed um, (laughs) and that there was stuff beyond the movies, which I myself was like flabbergasted. And that's what, uh, that's what I, in my reply to your video, that's what I hit on. I said, you know, I think it's generation to generation. Uh, and I think me and Charlie, I don't know if we, did we talk about, we talked about this on a previous issue, right? Yeah, we talked about it. Like, you know, like, you know, where, uh, you know, it is generational, right? As far as, you know, like how, you how c- people, how you came into comics. Yeah. Or, or how you came into the characters, how you consume right. the medium. So like we, like you're, you know, Amber, I don't, I don't know how old you are. I'm, I'm 28. Charlie, Charlie, what are you like? 49, 35, <laughs> Charlie's 35. Oh, I'm 28. So okay, I'm 28. So I'm so, like right in that range. So, but, but I think, I think 28 to 35, like even Charlie, I would even say probably 40. We kind of consumed these characters. Well, I would say probably the 40 to 30 range right now, consume these characters. The, the original medium that they probably consumed them in was comic books where, Charlie's Charlie's age range like 35 to 30 were just that like that first inclination of like animation like Super Friends the TMNT series so on and so forth but then our generation we're we're the heyday of animation we're the Batman the animated series X-Men the animated series Spider-Man the animated series Superman the animated series if there was a superhero he had an, they had an animated series that was weekly and our parents didn't have that need or feel to go out and get us a comic book every week to fulfill that urge right. or that need. And I think, you know, if I'm being honest, the first time I picked up a comic book, I was probably seven or eight. I got exposed early, but I just happened, I happened to have an infatuation with Batman the Animated Series at five and six. And Batman 66, I watched that religiously with Adam West and Burt Ward. Um, on repeat on TV land and on VHS because my mom would tape them. But when I saw the Batman book at the local grocery store, I wanted it because I knew what it was. I knew, I knew who that character was. So when I grabbed that book, I'm like, this is, this is awesome. And like, I'm reading through it at a very young age. Like, this is cool. And like, I had no idea what they were. Like, obviously my mom and my dad did their best to get them for me whenever we could or see them. And I got a, a, a majority of my childhood comic book collection are like hand-me-down books that have never been bagged and bored that I bought at like a flea market somewhere. Um, yeah. But that was kind of my introduction to comics. And my parents to this day still feed this beast that is my, my fandom of Batman. I mean, I get, I mean, I'm, I mean, Christmas is two weeks away. I guarantee I'm going to get 15 things that are Batman related to put in this basement. Um, but that's just, that was something my parents know that I, I've always loved. I've always enjoyed. Um, my son's due next month. His entire nursery is Batman themed. Uh, my daughter is three now and her absolute favorite character in the world is Elsa from Frozen. But she plays with her Elsa doll and her Batgirl doll concurrently together. Um, oh, I and, love that. And she's embraced 
this nerdum and this fandom and she loves everything and she's also she's also picked up the collector tendencies when she comes down into the into the cave she doesn't touch things that she because she knows things are worth money she's like, oh that's expensive and she tells her cousins when they come down don't touch that that's expensive and like she's Aww. she's she's very inept to it because she's growing up in that culture she went to her first comic book convention at two like she's you know she and she walked the floor like i I have a picture of us on Facebook. Like she's got a, I got the little leash thing attached to my hand because I wanted her to be able to walk and actually go up and, and look at things and, and, and be interested. Um, but she also likes comics. She goes to the comic book store with me pretty much every week. We're going to go tomorrow. My wife is actually going to keep her home because it's supposed to snow tomorrow here for us. Um, she's going to keep her home and we're going to go out and play in the snow and then try and make our, our trek up to the comic shop. But do you wish you were introduced at an earlier age now that like, cause I see uh, your level of fandom is, is, is just absolutely contagious. Like you can, you, when you watch your, like your TikTok stuff, like you can tell how passionate you are about what you're reading and what you're interested in. Do you wish, well, and I think, oh, sorry. do you wish you had that exposure sooner? Oh, a hundred percent. Um, but I also like, I wish I could say that I grew up watching, the animated series and TV, but like I grew up on a farm and I didn't have any TV. Um, and so like, I literally just grew up with my imagination. Um, and so it wasn't until like when I was in high school, when I was first introduced to superheroes and I was like, what is this? This is so cool. And I also grew up with like all sisters, like okay, well, none of them were yeah, interested I, in this. I, I grew up with a sister too, but I, neither here nor there. I don't have a, I don't have a, a real good, <laughs> I don't have a real good relationship with her. I think so, I think I think my I, I think my superhero fixation was my escape from my relationship with her. <laughs> well, so like having having all sisters, like so, like I have an older brother, I have a little sister, right? So my older brother was in the comics, and that's kind of what you know. The reason that I'm into so much of the stuff that I'm into is because of of him. Um, but like having older sisters, right? Like none of them showed any interest, right? Uh, or oh, I don't none know. at all. Like even till this day, none of them. Like I think they all still think that I'm a child because I'm like, oh, for Christmas, can I have this Lego set? Um, <laughs> and yeah, so none of them are into because I'm. I mean, I was in middle school and I was introduced to Star Wars, and so that's okay. why like the prequels will always hold a special place in my heart, just because that's what I. That's what introduced me to this fandom, and then I was able to like. I just had to do my own research because no one around me was interested in this stuff. Right. Um, so I always kept it like to myself. And even like, even as an adult, you find people who like them, but you're almost like too scared to share that because then you find those gatekeepers who like automatically start like testing you and like your knowledge and Oh, you don't know who that character is. So and, 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 <laughs> and you obviously don't like Star Wars. And as, yeah. as, as a, so, and do you, you go, go, Charlie? Yeah, I've been asking. You say, you know, with, with 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 the whole gatekeeper thing, right? Like the, I would say, like the, those people, right? The ones are, oh, you don't know this obscure character, you're not a fan. Mark and I have talked about this a number of times, either on here or, or just together, like when we're just having our chit chats, even before this, right? Like, it doesn't matter what kind of fan you are. A fan is a fan. Um, you know, like if 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 you like anything. If you like Star Wars, right, but you didn't know who Bo-Katan was when she showed up on the uh, on the Mandalorian, Mandalorian, right? Like that doesn't make you not a Star Wars fan, right? Like that's okay that you didn't know that, right? Like 
if your only exposure has ever been and the the Mandalorian show because you have Disney Plus, like, okay, guess what? You're still a Star Wars fan, even if you've never seen any of the movies, right? So, like, it, it, it it's one of those things where the the guys that the and I'll and I'll say guys, right? Like, I I have never been. I don't know if you have Mark, but I have never been challenged by a a, a female that uh, will go and say, oh, you didn't know this, so you're not a real fan, right? It's never happened. I I can't think of it. No, and I agree with you. I've never been challenged by another female, or I've never had another female come up to me and be like, oh, you don't know this. So, so if anything, like, I feel like females are more supportive with, and I think that's why, like, I started TikTok, because I'm not on any other, like, other form of platforms yeah um but i was on tiktok and i was like and i downloaded it for school because we had like the school account and so i was trying to keep up with my students um but then i saw like there's different communities within tiktok and so i was like okay there has to be some sort of like comic book tiktok because there's every there's stripper tiktok there's like mormon (laughs) tiktok and there has to be a comic book tiktok and it's like that's it it is it is interesting, like you said though, like how TikTok, you know, how you come to to find the, because your for you page is an it's an algorithm, so it shows you things that you're interested in, but there isn't a ton. So like you got to like find the nerd accounts and follow them and like their stuff, so your algorithm starts to you know allocate to that. Because like when I got on TikTok, I got on I only got on TikTok because my wife was sending me all these videos through quarantine and like, and they're funny. And I'm like, Oh, you know, whatever. I was like, I was, had no interest in downloading the app. And then she tells me, she's like, yeah, I have like 20,000 followers. I'm like, you're not even, I'm like, you're not even entertaining. What are you, I'm like, what are you talking about? (laughs) And she's like, and so she's showing me like her page and all the videos on her page that have like all these likes and views are videos of me doing stuff. And I was like, I'm like, I'm like, you're getting internet clout off my back. I'm not even, I'm not even prof, you know, like I'm not even getting the proper props. You didn't even tag me. So I was like, so I created the account and I told her, I was like, my only goal is to have more followers and likes than you by the end of the year. That's my only goal for this whole TikTok thing. And I literally just passed her the other day, like the other night. And I made, you know, a video making a fool of myself today as a result of it. But it's one of those things that I'm like, you know, when I got on the app, like I was liking other police officer stuff and I was liking, you know, sports stuff. But like you said, there, there wasn't a lot of like nerd stuff coming across my page. And then I started liking like some wrestling accounts that would pop up. I would like their stuff and comment on it. And then more of those started coming. And then I think as a result of that, I got a little bit more nerdum stuff. And then eventually I posted some comic book stuff with some comic hashtags. And then you came across my for you page and I was like, finally, there's somebody else here talking comics. And then when me and you started interacting and I followed you and, you know, were liking your videos on, on, on the more regular basis, I started getting more nerdum stuff popping across my, my page. And I actually have another female that I've been, you know, you know, following her account. And I actually do edit one of her videos about gatekeeping and basically just, you know, showcase that like, you know, dads that have daughters right now that are interested in this stuff, they need to expose their daughters to this stuff early. They need to, they need to push, you know, like not push it, but if, if their daughters show an interest, you can't be that dad and being like, no, go play with your, go play with your Barbies or go, go, you know, my daughter has her own playroom 
and it's filled to the gills with Disney princess stuff and all that other stuff. But she's got action figures for bat for superheroes for Batman and in the DC universe. She's got um, Imagine X like all the superhero stuff for that. Like, and she's got obviously got her Batgirl, Supergirl, and Wonder Woman stuff. Like, she she's 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 got the perfect you know the mix of of sugar and spice so to speak. That's because I'm allowing that, you know, I'm, I'm, I am fostering that environment. Um, and obviously, you know, my son is going to have a, a older sister who is just happens to be, by the time he's going to be up and moving around and walking, she's going to be at the age where she wants every, everybody to play dress up. And I'm not going to be one of those dads is like, no, don't put your brother in a dress. I'm like, no, put him in a dress so we can take pictures of it so we can embarrass him later. But, but my thing is, is this is going on his wedding day. I want, I just want my kids, I want my kids to be able to be who they want to be, to, to understand that, that the communities that they choose to be a part of are what they make it. And when I see, like I said, you, when we see the gatekeeping, we see it all the time in our collector's community where mm-hmm. we have, we have, I would say probably about 80% male, probably in our, of, of a thousand and one, a thousand, one hundred members in our group, about eighty percent, about eighty percent are male, but the female portion of that community are the nicest people. They look out for everyone, and they they know their shit, and they don't get checked in our community because we don't allow it. If we see some, we see some semantics and some bullshit happening, we usually step in right away, and, and, yeah. and take care of it. But and that's, that's the one thing with our group, right? Is like yeah, we don't BS fly, right? Like it's. It is a group of collectors for collectors. Yeah. We don't. If you're there, cool. You're. It is a. It is a very uh, family oriented community. Yeah. Yes, exactly. But like I said, you know, I think you know, it's always cool to hear. Like, it's always cool to hear the other side, the other perspective of things, especially in this community, because like I said, I've only seen it through my eyes, and I know that doors have been opened for me because. <laughs> of my ability or like my knowledge, like, you know, I know a lot of people consider me in my friend group or even in our collectors group. I'm, I'm one of the top, I mean, Charlie's in that category too, when it comes to power Rangers, WWE and, um, the green lanterns and, and collecting. But if there's a Batman question or a DC question, I get messages regularly from members of our collectors group. Like, Hey, what's oh, this? Like, that. what's it? And like, and they know they can come to me, and I might not know it off the top of my head, but there's probably a 90% chance if it's Batman-related, I'm going to give you the answer that you're looking for in depth without even having to pull up a Google search. And when we say, like, the, like you know, the whole gatekeeping thing, it makes me laugh because I can't tell you how many times I've been on national groups or sites and somebody tries to check somebody, whether it's DC lore-related or even, like, wrestling, because me and Charlie cover rest, professional wrestling, and we're, we're huge fans of that. But when we see that and you're like, nah, dude, you're actually, you're wrong. Um, this is the right answer. Um, why don't you, instead of being an asshole, why don't you educate one yourself and try to educate somebody else that maybe just doesn't understand it or doesn't, you know what I mean? Just didn't know. Right. No, and that's 100% of what it is, is that like we as a community, and that's the thing is that it needs to be a community of like educating each other because that's how they grow. And that's like how our community grows. Yeah. Because like ultimately, like we're all supporting the same thing. And that's, you know, the writers, the artists, um, in the comic books. And if we didn't have a fan base, then we wouldn't have comic books. And so in order to, you know, 
to keep this going, we want to have a fan base to read and keep up so we could continue on with the things that we enjoy. And, you know, we, and I think just like as a society, like in general, like outside of comic books, that's, that's how we grow. That's how we learn. It's by teaching and having conversations with each other. Not being like assholes. Right. And why, why do you want to keep people out so badly? (laughs) Like we're already ostracized on our, on our own. Like we've already made ourselves and put ourselves on the outside of society. Yeah. Why do you want to then in turn do that to somebody else? But I see, and, and I see that too, in the sense that when you, you know, for, for eons, they literally made movies called revenge of the nerds because People like ourselves who love this stuff were so ostracized that we were outcast of, of, of social society growing up. It's now like our shit's cool now. And instead of us taking this moment to shine, we're in our ivory tower of nerdum and we're looking down upon the, the, the popular peasants and being like, sorry, we're not going to throw you a bone because you guys are mean to us. Where for decades, it's all we've ever wanted was everybody's acceptance and, and compassion. And now that we have it, we're like, nah, sorry, you know, you, you're not a real fan because you think Jar Jar Binks is a great character. Like, I don't or, f- or, like, or that the way that Civil War played out in the movies is how Civil War played uh, out. And you're just like, Nope, but I'm not gonna tell you. Yeah, uh-uh. and right. it, and it's funny because like when I I've gone to to see comic book movies with people who aren't comic book fans, Civil War is a movie that pisses me off because Civil oh, War is oh my. my favorite comic book arc Marvel's ever done, and I know Marvel has great stuff, yeah. but Civil War is for me is their end all be all event book. And then they slap that title on a movie, and it pisses me off because that movie was nothing like the book. And people no, were like, like I am preparing myself to cry in there. I'm like, oh no, it's coming, it's coming. And then I'm like, wait. No, nothing. It just happened. Nothing it happened. Happened. No. But I knew, but I also knew like we were going to the theater with a group of a group of couples to see this movie, and they were like, You don't seem excited. And I'm like, there's no X-Men, there's no mutants, there's no like you don't understand. There's major parts that are missing from this just walking into the theater. And I'm like, you don't understand that civil, like how good the civil war story is. And I actually gave my friends the collected edition of the book. I'm like, you saw the movie now read the book. And they read the book and gave it back to me. And they're like, yeah, that's so much better than the movie. I'm like, that's my fucking point. And like, and that's not even reading the Spider-Man tie in the Punisher tie in the Wolverine tie in all the other stuff that came with it. That was equally as good. I'm like, you're missing so much. We didn't have daredevil. We didn't have, Punisher, we didn't have any of the mutants. I'm like, no Fantastic oh. Four. I'm like, you don't realize like the the Civil War literally pit family members against one another. You know, the the, the Fantastic I Four. Was like, oh. so much of like you just got so invested. Yes, and so like I said, I I think you know gatekeeping in general is bad for the 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 brand of nerdum in 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 any realm. It's especially bad for superhero stuff because the, the, we are in the golden age of superhero cinema. And like we discussed on a previous podcast, I hit on that video and reply to you. I think I don't think the big two do enough to publicize or to put out to the general public that, hey, we also do weekly comic books. We have to be Wait, that mouthpiece. I never thought about that. Yeah, we, we have to be that, that mouthpiece. Until you brought that up. And, and, and I, like, why don't they? Uh, no idea. Like, why, like, uh, you, like the lack of advertisement, like they have such a huge platform 
and like there's no advertising. I will say DC like DC's done a better job, and we touched on this uh, issue or two back. DC has done a good job of doing these like trailer. Like they've been hiring like Warner Brothers artist music and they've been basically doing like these 3D trailers where they're like pulling images from the pages and it's pretty cool, but they put them on like Facebook and Twitter, but people could just scroll right by those. I can't scroll right, right by a preview or you have HBO Max now and I know they do no advertisements, whatever, but they do trailers at the beginning of every HBO show. If I'm watching, I don't know, if I'm watching the, the Justice League Snyder Cut, why not throw in there like, hey, visit your local comic shop for this week's weekly adventures of your favorite heroes. That's all you got to do. Right. And you're right. going to... And, and I think... 15 seconds. That's, yeah. That's it. And I'm kind of hoping, so uh, I, I did a video uh, the other day about Modoc, uh, which is going to be a Hulu animated series. Yeah. But the writers of the TV show or of the comic book are actually the producers of the TV show. So I'm hoping... That like they're willing to throw that in. I just don't know why they want it. But think of, but but I mean, you can go as far as say, Jeff Johns has run the entire CW multiverse for um for DC for decade for over a decade now, and they don't ever fucking talk. No, they did. They did do a DC fandom thing before the just when they announced like the Justice League Snyderverse movies like the initial announcement of like bvs kevin smith and cw teamed up and did like a dc fan hour basically and they they touched on comics for like five minutes which is also bothering and unnerving because kevin smith is a fucking comic book writer like like he owns a comic book shop like obviously secret stash is way more of a, a a publicity thing than it is an actual comic shop but it's still one of those things like we stand back as fans and we're like what are like we are we are the biggest advocate for this community. And that's why when people are always like, you know, I don't understand how you can read comics like that. I'm like, because they're fucking good. I'm like, you don't remember when you were seven years old and you hated reading novels because they didn't have pictures? Well, guess what? They have adult books with pictures. They're phenomenal. Right. They're some of the best writing. Like, I'm such a big advocate for like my students like reading books or reading comic books because like Hey, you're reading, and the stuff that they're reading is actually really good. Just because they have pictures, yeah. let them use it. And like, I use so many examples of that, and especially like from the movies, because most of my students have watched the movies. Um, that you're able to tie that in. Yeah, but yeah. So, um, and then I guess my last question is, um, do you feel? <sighs> So as a as a female in in this comic book nerd community, do you feel as you've put yourself out there more? As I mean, I, I, you're to me, you're 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 my mouthpiece. Other other than my close friend Kelsey, who um, like I said, she works at a local comic book shop. She's a massive advocator for female rights and you know civil liberties and all the other stuff in in society. But she also is a big female fandom advocate. She actually runs uh, like a comic talk group on Facebook um, that, you know, she, she was inspired to do because I brought up the, an idea of doing it with our, our, our collectors group, but doing like a more localized, like chat type thing. And she ran with it and she was like, I hope you don't mind. I'm like, no, you're the perfect person to do this. Like I already run, I already run my show. Like I don't need to run anymore, but you know, she's a huge advocate. Do you feel that now that you're, you've kind of put yourself out there, are you feeling more, are you feeling more comfortable with like everyday life conversations about nerdum, or do you feel like, or do you, are you still feeling kind of like, 
all right, when I, when I go to work, I got to kind of tone this down a little bit. Or do you, are you feeling like you're, you're becoming more, I guess, you know, finding my identity more. Yes. Um, and I would agree. Like I was super, I told myself when I was going to get a TikTok, I would never like post any content. But, like, you know, you go through it and you see so many people just, like, post, like, the most bizarre things. And you're like, I could do that. That's stuff I read and I talk about all the time. Um, and I I think it has helped me in so many ways. Like, sharing my interests and sharing things that I, I love and I'm so passionate about that I've never shared before. Like I said, like, being a female, like, I don't have any friends who are involved in the community, uh, in comic books or Star Wars or um, any of those fandoms that I'm interested in. And bless their souls, like, they will all try their best to have a conversation with me or to, like, buy me cute Spider-Man stuff, but um, to actually have, like, a developed conversation with someone is something that I haven't had in the comic book realm until I discovered TikTok. Um, which has been so cool. So I definitely think it has helped like my confidence of like, oh, I actually know my shit and I'm okay to like talk about comics with people because I'm, I, I know things. And, and I think I've like always just been scared to voice my opinions and to voice my talking about comics because of the gatekeeping, because of the, I'm never good enough to have a opinion about something like that yeah and so so i think my my biggest thing like especially you know following you following your story knowing getting to know you a little bit more especially after this conversation like i don't ever judge somebody based off of what they don't know and i don't judge them based off of what they do know i judge them off of how passionate they are about whatever they're talking about and you know, there are some people that are just flat wrong. And I mean, you're on TikTok. It can be a very toxic <laughs> waste pool at sometimes with some people and their opinions yeah. on certain things. But if you're knowledgeable of what you're talking about, but you're passionate about it, I'll buy into it. And I'll, and I'll buy into you as a person. But when, you, when you're not passionate about it, but maybe you know what you're talking about, but you're, uh, well, then, uh, you're like, oh, well, that's, you're not, you're not giving me anything. You know what I mean? You're not really, you're not helping. Right. You're not helping me believe that you care about this. But like, you know, I, like I said, I have a daughter who's growing up in this. She's going to grow up in this culture. She's going to go to comic book conventions. She's going to go to premieres for, for movies and things like that. Like, and this is going to be a part of who she is until she decides if she doesn't want to be a nerd and she wants to, you know, go do other things, whatever. I'm, it's going to happen. I'm, I'm fully prepared for it. My son will probably do the same thing, but at the same time, I want her to be passionate about something. I don't care if it's Disney princesses. I don't care if it's superheroes. I don't care if it's Star Wars because she's even starting to get into that now. We watch, you know, we watch The Mandalorian every week together. And, you know, she's she's falling into that trope. And she knows who, you know, that's Darth Vader, that's Yoda, that's Baby Yoda, that's Manda. Like, she knows these characters and she's, she's inept. She's more quick to pick up on this stuff than she is anything else we try to teach her or get her to do. And I, my biggest fear as, not just as a, as a father, but is as, as a collector and somebody that's passionate about this realm. And I'm sure Charlie feels the same with his boys. I would hate to see my kid either ostracized or, 
even even not even put down, but just you know, not to feel comfortable in being who they are around their friends, around their peers, or whatever. Our kids, I think, are very fortunate. Like I said, they are growing up in the golden age of superhero media. Like, it's if 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 any time in the world it was okay to be a nerd and love superheroes, it's now. And it's because of the right. movies and the televisions and all the, all the other stuff going on. We are now the cool kids in the room. And finally. I've, yeah, finally, <laughs> exactly. I fully prepare though on, you know, on making that something that's normal for my daughter. And I want her to feel comfortable. And even if she doesn't like the stuff, I want her to be knowledgeable enough that one of her male classmates comes at her and tries to check her on something because it's going to happen. And I hate to say that, but it's going to happen. I want her not only to be comfortable, but confident and say, nah, bro, you're not going to come at me like this. Like my father's a walking encyclopedia when it comes to DC comics. You're not going to talk to me about something that I'm well-versed and schooled in literally on a daily basis. And, you know, Charlie, obviously he's got three boys, but you know, we're raising young men, not, you know, children. And we want our kids to respect everybody's opinion and everybody's viewpoints on things. And we want our kids to respect what everybody brings to this culture. And I think if there was more of that, I think within, and unfortunately I hate to say this, there's a lot of dads in nerdum, but there's way more single guys. I hate, I mean, I'm sorry if this offends you listening that are sitting in their mom or dad's (laughs) basement without a, without a significant other to, to speak of. And those are the ones that are holding that gate and they're trying to be the gatekeepers. And I have to say, dude, until you stop doing that, you're not going to experience life because guess what? It's much. And it's, e- almost, keep- it's like almost like a power thing. Yeah. It's, they don't have it's like, and I, again, like no offense to anyone at all, but like, it's almost that they don't have a ton going on outside of like that fandom that they have to use that fandom to protect themselves. And yeah. the one thing that they have. Yeah. It's just, so- it, it just, it's so unnecessary in, in the grand scheme of things. Um, so, well, actually, so to kind of wrap this up, I know it kind of seems like kind of bass backwards, but I have some, uh, some word association for you, uh, uh, for, me? for you oh. and, you know, just to kind of get your, your opinions on things or just like whatever the first thing is that pops into your mind. You don't even have to get super detailed or super in depth. Oh. Um, but, uh, just whatever, whatever pops in there, just shoot it out. All right. Okay. All right. No pressure. There, there are right okay. answers. I'm, I'm keeping <laughs> Okay. All right. So, um, first one. Uh, best hero. Oh, Spider Man. Okay. Uh, best hero team. Oh, fudge. That's a good one. Uh, Iron Man and Spider Man. Okay. Okay. Can, can you see that I have a, uh, I lean towards one side? I'm so sorry. Yeah. Clearly you're a DC person. All right. Uh, <laughs> I am trying to expand though. I am truly like, like I said, I grew up on Marvel, but I'm really, really trying to expand and push myself more. All right. All right. So, uh, next one, uh, best story. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. uh, I loved 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 silver war um but i also really like superior spider-man a lot Ooh, okay i'm gonna go with superior spider-man okay 
All right. All right. Uh, most. I mean, over- it has. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was gonna say, like, you didn't have Doc Ock taking over Spider-Man. Like, it was a really cool story. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, most overrated hero. Oh, I'm so sorry, Superman. Oh, okay. You're, you don't have to be sorry about that. <laughs> he is. Like, he's. He kind of turns me off on comics, and I'm and I feel so bad because I never like there are some people who are just diehards, and I never want to like offend anyone. But he's not my favorite. He's the hardest character to write because he's he's impervious to pretty much everything, and it's tough to make him relatable to the common reader. That's why Batman is so much more popular. I hate to say it. Like, obviously, it's tough to be relatable to a billionaire, but right. he's human running amongst gods. He's the closest thing that we are to a superhero. There's nobody else that's closer, maybe other than, like, Robin. But <laughs> Okay, so the next three are going to be the, 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 the most challenging ones. All right. Oh. Right? <clears throat> okay. Ready? All right. Green mm-hmm. Lantern. Ryan Reynolds. I'm sorry. That's okay. That's all right. He's he's fancy. He's adorable. He's so cute. That <laughs> awful movie. Awful okay. Movie. Look, you're you're not gonna hurt my feelings with that one. <laughs> all right. Um, Batman. Oh. Oh. That was so hard. Okay, I'm just doing first word, right? Yeah. Whatever. Whatever pops in there. Whatever the first thing that that pops in there. What's his uh, Alfred? I love Alfred so much. Okay. okay. Uh, you would be, and you the would, last one, you'd be quite upset with the last Batman run, then, because Alfred's dead. Does he? Does he die? I know. <laughs> I know. And it, he's been dead, reanimated, yes. and uh, well, and an apparition I, essentially. <laughs> he, when it comes to comic books, like I am over like there. There's no death that really affects me because give it a year or two and they'll be back. Bat, well, I can tell you right now, they haven't fully dealt with Alfred's death with the family, so to speak. So, long story short, uh, City of Bane was the end of Tom King's run in Batman before James Tynan took over and did his Joker War. Um, basically, Bane took over Gotham City and exiled all the heroes and told him, if you come into Gotham, there's going to be consequences. Damien, being Damien, doesn't listen Comes in, gets cap, huh? <laughs> I yeah. said what? <laughs> yeah. Gets captured. Yeah, gets captured, and the punishment for his trespassery is uh, Bane snaps Alfred's neck in front of him, um, and then he lets Damien go, and Damien leaves Gotham, meets up with the rest of the Bat family, and basically explains what happens. Bruce, obviously, everybody grieves in her way, but Bruce basically shuns Damien at that moment and then Damien basically runs off and you know goes and does his own thing but it's a very traumatic like couple pages because Bruce was very specific he told the entire Bat family to stay out of Gotham that he had it handled and Damien went against his wishes and ultimately cost Alfred his life um but so they've been dealing with that and like that's that's a part of like Bruce's deterioration it's been slow over time is that there's nobody in his ear right now helping him or guiding him down the right path and that's what actually pushed Barbara to go back to being Oracle instead of being Batgirl 
Um, right. But um, yeah. Charlie, I totally understand why you don't like Damien now. Okay. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. So, uh, last one. Okay. Dad's Got Issues podcast. Oh, you guys are my friends now. <laughs> All right. I'm, I'm so excited. Like, I know it sounds like really silly and everything, but you guys are fantastic. And I, like, like I said, I don't get to have like a ton of conversations with like people with comic books all the time. So this has been fabulous so much. You don't even know. I, I I have one for you and I'm not even I'm not even a big fan of this universe. Who shot first? Oh, <laughs> oh come on. <laughs> Greedo. Just kidding, it's Han. So it was it was it was Han. It was Han. So uh ten, ten out of ten, it was Han. <laughs> awesome. Wait, you're not you're you're not a Star Wars fan. You're, you're I, not so, I, so I am. I, I like Star Wars. I have no problem. Like it's not that I don't like the series. I just growing up, it wasn't something I was heavily involved in. I didn't really start watching Star Wars or getting into it until I was probably like late, like late high school, early college. I wa- I like I ran through and watched all the movies and you know saw all the stuff. And I have a good uh, a buddy of mine that I work with who is a major major Star Wars guy, and obviously Charlie also is one. But like. I've gotten more into it recently with the new series, the new trilogy and the the Mando and all the other stuff. And me and Charlie have a running bet because he's, we're, we're still yet to cover the boys. Oh, so update, oh. I am through the boys. Oh, okay. I'm done. I'm already done. I am ahead of you, sir. Yeah. So I have to watch, I have to watch rebels and clone wars on Disney plus. I'm still working through supernatural. I'm in season like 13 now of that. So I'm, I'm almost done supernatural so we can cover that at some point. But like I said, um, it has been great. This is going to be one of our longer comic issues, which I'm absolutely I'm sorry. No, 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 no. This great. is great. We've been we've been telling our listeners at some point we were going to start bringing people on, and I think they know between me and Charlie how long winded we are to begin with. So they know when we get somebody else in here that's new, we're gonna we're gonna pull as much information and and good content out of you as we possibly can. Um, so. This has been awesome. I'm super happy that we had you on. Um, we'll definitely have you on again at some other point. Um, uh, maybe we'll, we'll bring you on and we can talk some Star Wars stuff and, and whatnot on around the multiverse issue, and you can run through some of that stuff with us. Um, they but, have some really cool comics out too. Yes, you can check those out they're pushing. They're pushing a lot of Star Wars out. Uh, this Disney is one is if one thing is Disney is it's it's great at uh, maximizing profits on their products. Um, and I'm all for it. <laughs> yeah. So um, if you are not already following us on social media, we are at DGI Podcast on all forms of social media: Facebook, Instagram, um, Twitter, um, and on TikTok. Um, you can find me on TikTok at at NerdCop. You can find Miss Ambrosia at at comics underscore and underscore cupcakes on TikTok. Um, her content is phenomenal. Um, I hope she keeps I hope she keeps it up and I hope her account keeps growing. Um, because we can you know, everybody that follows her, I know follows her because they like comics as well. Um we will be back on Friday with a around the uh, multiverse issue. Um, not quite sure what we're going to cover. Me and Charlie will talk on that in the next day or two and figure out what we're going to come. A lot of media. I mean, a ton of stuff out of the D- the Disney Expo or the Disney yep. Investor Meeting. So there's a ton of stuff there to cover and get into. Um, if we record in the afternoon on 
Oh shit, we're gonna probably end up recording Thursday, so we won't. We won't. We'll be able to talk last week's Man, uh, Mandalorian, but not this week's coming up. But um, so do you have anything else, Charlie? I do not, uh, Miss Ambrosia. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much for being on here. Um, Thanks for having me. You guys are fabulous. Yeah. So I've got nothing else, Mark. Nope. Nothing. Nope. All right. Well, then I'm gonna send us home and uh, let's go ahead and. Hit our music. <laughs> <laughs>